Good evening and welcome to Key Card, right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, right to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Hello, Yuri. What's your favorite online radio show and podcast? That would have to be Geek Hard. Correct. You Did survive. I win the prize? <laughs> you get to live. That's basically, that's how these screen movies work, so... Uh, welcome everyone to Geek Card. It is another Friday night. I am here. Uh, Mr. Green is not here quite yet. He is just getting back from the airport. He was at a literary convention for his books, uh, Mr. Green, The Sound of Birds and, uh, How to Talk to Animals and Make Weird Sounds. Uh, he was invited as the guest of honor to a, uh, literary convention and, uh, I don't think they knew that he just did books on tape for that, but, uh, Good for them. Uh, he'll be back shortly. He's on his way back from the airport. Hopefully he'll be here before we get into the crux of tonight's episode. And what an episode it's going to be. Later on in the program, we're going to be talking with actor Taylor Love, one of the stars of Shelved, the new CTV original comedy, uh, which airs on Mondays on CTV and uh, takes place in a library. We're going to learn more about that from Taylor and have some fun. We're also going to be giving our review of Scream 6. Yeah, that's right, the sixth one. We never got to cover Screams 1 through 3 on this show, even 1 through 4 or 1 through 5, because 1 through 3 came out before we were around. And 4, the timing just didn't work out, because that was back in the day when we weren't getting to see movies that hit theaters as quickly as much back then. And then Scream 5, well... Canada, well, at least Southern Ontario, was in a lockdown during the time that that film hit theaters. So Scream 6, it's our first one of the franchise that we get to review here tonight. Very excited about that. And in just a few moments, we're going to be talking with director Michael Marin about his film, A Little White Lie, which is available on VOD uh, right now and digital. You can check it out. You'll hear more about it in just a little bit. Uh, but right now we're going to take our first commercial break. And when we come back, we'll be talking with Michael Marin, director of a little white lie. It's all happening right here. Geek card. We got radio. What are everybody jimmy the short order cook here asking you what's better than listening to geek Hard? answer listen to geek Hard while wearing a geek Hard t-shirt and there's a place you can get them at tpublic.com slash user slash geek Hard. we got a bunch of great shirts there we got geek Hard shirts we got a mr green's tasty meat shirt oh we got a back issue bloodbath shirt for all your geek needs with your geek merch, you want to go to tpublic.com slash user slash geekart. I'm not just asking you. I'm telling you. Welcome back to Geekart right here. On Reality Radio 101. And now, right back to your host of Geek Hard, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to Geek Hard. What's your favorite literary romantic comedy? Well, it might be just a little white lie, which uh, we're going to talk to Michael Marin about in just a moment. But before we do, just want to tell you about some great stuff that Geek Hard's got going on, including 
our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash geek card show, where you can watch uh, videos of some of our past interviews on the shows. Uh, the, the interviews you hear live on the shows, you'll get to see what they were looking like when we talked to them. So you can check out those videos there, but also on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash geek card show. You can check out a brand new series Hard Takes, hosted by one of our favorite curmudgeons, Jay Torres, where he, Mr. Green, and some other cool people talk about what's happening in our fair world of entertainment and pop culture, where they break down the news topics of the week, debate, and contrast, and have questions. It's a discussion. It's fun. Fast-paced. There's a lot. Sometimes there's sound effects. You should definitely check it out. The first episode is available right now at youtube.com slash show. Give it a watch. Give it a watch because uh, it's our new thing we're experimenting with, and we, we hope that you enjoy it. Also, if you enjoy Geek Card and you want more Geek Card in your life, there's a place you can go, patreon.com slash geekhard. You know, if you go there, you sign up, you become a Geek Hardigan, well... You'll be helping us out, but you'll also be getting access to cool exclusives like early access to podcasts, access to our pilot for The January Men, a new uh, retrospective uh, movie show that uh, we're trying out, plus access to Extra Hard, a semi-weekly show hosted by Mr. Green where he and a special guest sit down and they talk about an actor or a TV show or a movie or a director and they peel back the layers. They find out what they like about them. Sometimes they talk about the things they don't like, but for the most part, it's really a celebration of something they love. And uh, we have a great back catalog of episodes that you can check out. It's definitely worth your time. And hey, as I said, it helps us out. Also, if you're like, man, I love geek art so much that I want to wear it on my body. Well, there's only one way that you can legally do that. And that is by purchasing merch, geek art merch at tpublic.com slash user slash geek art. Where we got some amazing t-shirts there. We got the Mr. Green's tasty meat shirt. We got the old man t-shirt. We have the extra hard t-shirt. We have a bunch of great Geek Card logo shirts, our Back Issue Bloodbath shirt. Definitely all of those worth checking out. You want to fill your wardrobe. You want to get one of each because you want to let people know that you're a big fan of Geek Card. Now, I know some of you might have tuned in a bit late. You're wondering, wait a second. Why is Andrew talking like he's some sort of filibuster on the floor, like he's, uh, like he's Mr. Smith goes to Washington and won't leave the floor there? Uh, well, it's because Mr. Green is making his way back from the airport right now. He was a guest at a literary festival for his books, Mr. Green, The Sound of Birds, and How to Talk to Animals and Make Weird Sounds. And yeah, he was a hit. He was. A, I really think they thought they were getting somebody much more important and much bigger at the show. But they got Green, and apparently it went well. But he's on his way back from the airport right now, and hopefully he'll be joining us soon. But it's time to go on without him. Get on with the show with our first guest of the evening. He is a director. He is a screenwriter. He's a former journalist. And his second film, A Little White Lie, is now in theaters, on digital, and on demand as we speak. And we're very happy to have with him, have him with us here today. Welcome to the program, Michael Merritt. Thanks, Andrew. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm good. Good to see you. Good to see you. So I got to check out A Little White Lie. Really enjoyed it. For people who haven't had a chance to check it out yet, tell the good people what it's about. Um, well, it's about a uh, guy, kind of a bit of a bum, who, who uh, lives in New York City, who shares a name with a famous writer. And that writer sort of has been hiding for years. Uh, a la sort of J.D. Salinger or, or Thomas Pinchon kind of situation. And uh, there's a school somewhere in the country that um, has a literary festival that they can't get anybody to come to because they can't attract any big name writers. And uh, Kate Hudson plays the uh, head of the English department at, at this at this college. 
And she thinks she's found the guy. And she writes a letter to him, played by Michael Shannon. Um, and um, Michael's got a buddy who he drinks with every day. Or Shriver is a, is a character's name, has a buddy who he drinks with. Michael May, and I may not. I don't know that for a fact. Um <laughs> I have I have been drinking with him on numerous occasions, but um, Shriver, uh, he's got a buddy uh, played by the inimitable um, Mark Boone Jr. Um, and uh, who kind of goads him into accepting the, the invitation. So he shows up at this school uh, where he's supposed to deliver a keynote address. And as soon as he gets there, he's like, I'm trying to get out of here. Uh, but of course, the uh, English professor is played by Kate Hudson, and she's very persuasive. So um, that's sort of the that's that's the premise of the story, and and it's him trying to f- fight his way through this this world of uh, of writers and uh, mediocre writers and people who want to be writers, and everybody everybody there wants to be a writer, and um, he's kind of the only one who's not, or so we think. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a it's a story that's very much uh, like I feel like it does a really good job of playing with the the concepts of imposter syndrome and you know as we move on in life the isolation we feel and how we're just looking for an opportunity to really show who we really are were, were these yeah. themes that you like was what draw drew you to the original source material the Shriver novel. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, I I, um, I hadn't heard of the novel before. And I, I walked into a bookstore in, in Massachusetts and the author was just sitting and was reading from the novel and he read the first chapter, which was very short. And I immediately thought I had no idea where this was going or what the what was, or what was in the rest of the novel. But um, you, you had a guy on an airplane headed somewhere and, and I, I bought a copy of the book and I walked up to him and said, Hey, do me a favor, you know, sign, sign me the movie rights here. I'm going to make a movie. And he did. And I gave him a dollar. Uh, I paid him more later, but well, I the, good that you paid him more later. <laughs> Cause otherwise I'd be like, Oh, well, that's quite a deal you got there. Definitely. Yeah. Well, it was published by a small press. And, and so the, it's not like the book was on, you know, was on a lot of people's radar. Right. At the time, and I just, I you know, I re- I responded to the idea. I think anybody in the arts or or, or or film, or even Michael. I mean, when I talked to Michael Shannon, he he said he really related to the character, right? You know, and and in fact, he said to me at one point, "I am Shriver," and, and it really has to do with um, it's how you we see ourselves versus the way other people see us. Yeah, and, and there's often a wide, wide gap there. And you never really know how how, how other people see you, um, but it's for people who then become sort of successful or write a book or become famous or be or become well known actors. I, I think there's kind of a bifurcation of, of of the personality. There's there's the there's you, the actor who who the world sees, and then there's you, the the you know uh, the parent, the fuck up, the the, the everything else that that. Uh, that you might actually be or, 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 or how you see yourself. And what people tend to do is a lot of people end up trying to respond, become the people who become the way the world sees you, not, not who you really are. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so that's one of the things that's what interested me in it. And it's something that I've experienced myself. You know, I published a couple of books uh, before I, I got into screenwriting and, you, you know, it's something I've always wanted to do. And the book comes out and you're doing stuff and, and you go like, oh, like, who who is that guy up there who's uh, who's standing there? Yeah. Was, was that what it was like for you the first time you went to, to present your when you wrote your book? Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I, I would walk into a, a room like who who cares about this? And I, I walk into a room and there's like 150 people sitting there waiting to hear what I had to say. And I'm thinking. I, I don't even want to hear what I have to say now. Um, and so, yeah. And look, and that's the same thing as directing. I mean, believe me, I mean, this is my second film only and um, second film as a director. Yeah. And that I, I'm standing there and, 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 you know, there's Michael Shannon and, and there, there's Don Johnson and there's, there's Kate Hudson. And I'm, I'm 
looking at them saying, um, you know, telling them what to do. And I'm thinking like, who is that guy? Yeah, yeah. Well, I would think, yeah, that would be a lot, lot to take on. And I just want to jump in here and say, uh, welcome to the show, Mr. Green. I know you arrived here late. You were actually late from the airport coming back from a literary festival of your own for your books, <laughs> Mr. Green and the Sound of Birds, and of course, How to Talk to Animals and Make Weird Sounds. Uh, I hope that went well for you, Green. Uh, it did. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And, and uh, uh, it's a pleasure to get to talk to you, Michael. All right. Nice talking to you. Uh, I, when you were talking, so there, you, but... you, you were, you were Sorry, at a book fest. You were you were just at a literary festival, uh, of a kind. Yes, not 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 nowhere on the same level as yourself, or you know, or even uh, some of the characters in in. in All I gotta say is, you better have been at a literary festival, Green, because the expense account was going up. I was watching it. I was yeah, watching it this that's week. True. Uh, Michael, I was going to ask you because you were talking as you were talking there about. Uh, uh, imposter syndrome. Uh, it, is that something like, do you think you've got a handle on that now? Or do you still like deal with that at all, like on a regular basis as you work on projects? Uh, you know, I, I don't like that term because it's gotten very clinical really. Right. Yeah. You know, it's a little, I, I think I'd rather just sort of break it down into his elements. Yeah. That book called imposter syndrome for now. And I think it's a, a sense of, of not questioning yourself and, and, um, being able to step outside yourself and, and not really, um, I, I always hope I have some element of imposter syndrome. Let's let's let me put it that way. You know, I don't ever want to like walk up there and like, you know, I, I, I know what I'm doing. I can't make any mistakes here. You know, I, I mean, I, especially as, as, as a film director, you know, it, it's a very collaborative, uh, way of doing things. And I mean, I'll give you an example uh, from, from our set really that, that, it was a complicated scene. It's a, it's a party and it's, and it has to happen very quickly. And we were shooting in a very small space and it was a, it was, a, it was actually, it was a space that we had just were able to nail down. So I didn't have a lot of time to, to storyboard how, how this was going to happen, which is what I would have wanted to do. And I was trying to move a bunch of characters around the soft space space and Don Johnson, who's like been in 300 movies, um, you know, and TV shows and what would kind of kind of grabbed me and said, hey, let me tell you how to do it. You know, and, and, and I was there. And then the next day he called me up. It was, it was Saturday. And he said, you got to meet me. I got to meet me for lunch. And he was really apologetic. And I said, you know, Don, look, man, I I I had no idea what to do at that moment. You know, I was I was at that moment. I felt like. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a director here. I, what, how, how, why can't I do this? And the reason I couldn't do it was, you know, that it was hard and I hadn't done anything like that before. Uh, next time I have to do it, I'll, I'll, I'll think back to what, uh, what Don told me. So I think there's a little bit, I mean, I think there are two ways for, for a director to act in that situation. One was to say, Hey, just I do it, do it my way. Uh, and the other one was, I don't know what I'm doing. And I was perfectly happy at that moment to kind of go, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, I don't know how to do this. Yeah, I guess that's always the thing. To be able to say when you don't know what yeah. you're doing and you need help, like that's, that's always the best route to go because that's when you find the help and you, you find what you need, like in that situation, totally. Yeah, and, and people, you know, there are people who have more experience than, than you do. And, and so that's not really me being an imposter, but that, 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 that's me kind of understanding that, you know, I still have I still have things to learn in 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 terms of doing that, um, and you know, and there's room for comedy in there. I mean, and 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 that's sort of what I was looking for in this, um, you know, in the film. Yeah, no, definitely, and like the story, of course, plays with identity and the things that Shriver's going through. You know, he's like those conversations with himself, the disassociation, and all that. But what I found was the most interesting is that. You know, Shriver sits down and decides, well, I am going to be this writer, and he starts to write. But when we hear the words he's written, it's not his voice. It's like a totally different voice. You and are to, the first person to bring that up. Well, to me, it was sort of like, oh, wow, even the things he's writing, he can't see that he's the writer. Yes. You were the first person to bring that up. Um, and when I wrote the script, I remember writing in the thing, the voice will be done by someone, a familiar voice like Donald Sutherland or Morgan Freeman. 
I wrote that on, on the script. And then the producers came to me and said, you understand we can't afford to have Donald Sutherland or Morgan Freeman reading this. Um, so I got a very good boy, a good, very good friend of mine, an actor named Jack Gilpin, who did it um, for less than Morgan Freeman would have charged us. But you, I, 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 Andrew, I got to point out, nobody, I mean, I've done numerous interviews. Nobody has brought that up before. So, you know, kudos to you on that. There's only one time you hear, you hear it in, in his voice. Yeah. 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 That's, only, yeah the only... only time he's reading something that he's written is when he's reading it out loud to Kate Hudson's character, right? Well, there's that, but, but all, on the new things he's, he's, the new things he wrote, it's, it's, they're the last words in the film. Right. Right. Of course. And, yeah. and that, and that's, Shri that's Shriver. Uh, we probably given away too much. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't, that, that's Shriver in his own voice. But yeah, there's the, there, the voice in his head when he's writing um is a completely different voice yeah 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 no i thought th i thought that was a really nice touch and again the performance of michael shannon here uh yeah. like i know you said before that when you gave the when michael was cast and michael had the script that he looked at it and he read it and that he felt he really associated to it and this is probably one of my most favorite performances by Michael here. So what was it like to work with him and uh, get him to see, see him create that performance for you in your work? Um, you know, it was, it was magic. Uh, I mean, there were literally times where my jaw dropped watching scenes. The first time it happens when we early on, we shot this scene in a bar uh, where he's, he's, he's kind of going head to head with that journalist who's, who's trying to get information out of him and he's, he's holding back this information uh, and I remember hearing him and watching him do that. And I, oh my God, this, this, this guy gets it. He's all over it. He's, he, he's, he, he was just absolutely incredible. And, and he was playing something I've never seen. I mean, I've seen, I think every single Michael Shannon film. I, I tried to watch everything I could before I met him on set. And, and it's really different from, from anything he's done. Um, uh M Michael just said in an interview somewhere else the other day that it was one of, one of the favorite characters he's ever played. Uh, and I think I think that was the, and he was very Shriver-esque on set, which is not to say he was he was uh, he's not a method actor. He wasn't, um, you know, he wasn't like I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in character the whole time. Um, but he would grab me at a certain point after I'd just been blown away by a performance, and and, and we'd kind of go, was was that okay? You know, was was that was that all right? And I went, yeah, that that was great. And there were times um, when I thought, okay, we nailed it, like we can move on. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm about, to, I'm about to call cut. And then we're at the end of a scene and Mike would like raise his hand in the air with like one more thing. I got to do it one more time. I got to do it one more time. And every time he did it, the one more time, you know, I mean, to steal from that, he, you know, he took it to 11. You know, <laughs> yeah. he, um, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. So yeah. So those probably ended up being the takes you used, eh? Uh, in, in many cases, I mean, I think everything is there as a, as a, as a, um, you know, a good. I, I learned this a long time ago working with the with the the, the great actor Harris Eulen, and, and and a good seasoned actor for a director gives you something a little bit different every take on purpose. They're not trying to replicate something over. So you know they they'll turn up the heat a little bit. They'll turn up the heat. They'll get a little. They'll be a little bit more um, a little bit more emotion in it. They're a little more edge right. to, to to the performance. That way, when you're cutting the film. Um, I, you can kind of chart your way through it if you want, and if you want the performance to get more, more intense or you want to, you want to kind of, you know, uh, kind of slow it down toward the end. Uh, so Mike, yeah, Mike always gave me really good stuff. And, um, you know, the only, the only time he yelled at me on set, you know, was, was when he, he was giving, giving an early, he was doing, and it was in one of the early takes of something that we were doing. And I walked to him. I said, "Mike, you know, I think it's going to be weird." And he said, "I know it." You know, <laughs> he was just—he was just warming up to it. And I was there. All right, all right, good. Um, but you know, the the rest of the time, you know, he was—he was fairly. I I I just talked to him yesterday. Yesterday, yeah, and and we were talking about the film, and 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 you know, he 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 liked the film, but he also was 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 one film. You know, was I okay? You know, mm, yeah. which was great. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. Which kind of goes back to the whole, like what you perceive as opposed to what others perceive, you know, everybody 
when people watch this, they're going to go, oh, Michael Shannon did an amazing performance. But of course, like anybody else, Michael had his doubts about himself there. That's awesome. Um, now, your wife is a novelist and you've been and even run literary festivals before. Yeah. In fact, you run one like yearly, right? An annually festival. Um, leaving in leaving in two weeks to 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 run it in Positano, Italy. Yes. Yeah. So um, when you got to show it to the the festival, like because I know that you showed it to the 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 people who run the festival with you, yeah. they must have got a kick out of this film. I showed it to the um, I showed it to the forty writers who had come to the festival that year. Wow. Um, and one of the writers who came was Wendy Malik. Um, who 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 plays the gynecologist in in in, in the movie? Wendy yeah. Wendy's a friend. I like you know it's great working with friends and people who become friends and, and all of that. And so Wendy was a friend before we did the um, before we did the movie. And I asked her a long time ago to do it. Um, but the people who were through at the literary festival, they got all the inside jokes. They got all the stuff. They, they it was an uproarious sort of time. Um, and, you know, just funny, I mean, two weeks ago, I was with my wife, who, who has a new novel that that came out um, in, in the fall. And we were uh, in Savannah, Georgia, at the Savannah Book Festival. And I was walking around with her, and there's, there's tents, and there's books, and there's writers, and, and all this is going on. And every time we would, something, something would happen, happen like 10 times over a few days, and she'd go, that's just like the movie. <laughs> You know, um, people coming to her with manuscripts saying, you know, you know, would, would you read this? Would would you, you know, can you take a look at this? And, and um, you know, everybody's got a book there. And also, you know, the other thing is, I mean, look, I think it happens in any industry or any um, writers are very, very conscious of sort of the hierarchy. Right. You know, it's like, you know, I've published four books, but. You know, I've never been on the New York Times bestseller list, and this this guy's been on the Times bestseller list, or like, um, you know, I'm 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 number twelve on the Times bestseller list, but that guy was number eleven, you know, and 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 yeah. so there's that's there's it's you know writers are there's friendly, but it, there's yeah everybody's very competitive. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, I want to say I really enjoyed the film and I look forward to more people getting to check out. Of course, right now it's in theaters on digital and on demand. Yeah, uh, definitely check it out. It is a lot of fun. Michael, I want to thank you for coming on the program tonight. Again, fantastic film. It was funny. It was heartfelt. And I really I really related related to Shriver. And I think a lot of people will when they watch this film. I think a lot. I think if you just yeah, if you sit back and admit it to yourself, if you don't, if someone doesn't relate to Shriver, you don't want to be friends with them. There you go. There you go. That is the best uh, sell point of the movie right there. Well, Michael, thank you so much. Have hey, yourself thank you a guys. great night. Appreciate it. All righty. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. So that was Michael Marin, of course. Uh, a little white lie is available on digital, on demand, and. Uh, in theaters right now, so definitely go check it out. We're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, Mr. Green and I will be talking about Scream 6 right here, Geek Card, Radio Radio 101. Remember when you used to go to the comic shop and Browse through the stacks, picking up comic after comic, talking to your fellow customers and the store owner about what books you should buy. What kind of outside people daywalker nonsense are you talking about? I don't go outside. Well, thank goodness for Back Issue Bloodbath with Andrew Young and Petula Neal. When we talk about comics old and new. Mostly old. But sometimes new. Every Wednesday, new episodes drop at geekartshow.com or wherever you catch your pots. Check it out and have yourself a good. Welcome back to Geek Card right here on Reality Radio 101. And now back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Hello, Mr. Green. What's your favorite scary movie? 
Oh, that's easy. It's uh, it's uh, Halloween, the original Michael Myers Halloween. Yeah, no, a lot of people like that one. Uh, yeah. Welcome back to Geek Card. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. Mr. Green off of a 12-hour flight back from the literary festival he's at. He's not in the best of sorts, but he's here. He's a trooper. Uh, yep. Yep, and yep. Uh, we're, we're going to get into our review of Scream 6 in just a moment. But before we do, just want to read out some of the emails we got in. Of course, you can email us with your review, geekardshow at gmail.com. We'll read it on the air. We'll have some fun. Uh, this one's from Karen N. who says, Hello, geeks. No jet lag, Mr. Green? Scream 6 was okay, a little predictable, a little bit funny, a little bit foolish. But hey, I got to drink a beer, so I would rate it a 6. Well, thank you, Karen. Um, I think that jet lag doesn't begin to explain the pain that Green's gone through. I heard he was t- you were telling me during the break that you were stuck in the, the back row on the aisle, that the drink cart kept hitting your knee. Not a good time, eh? No, it was horrible, horrible. Uh, I am currently alive, although it feels like I am not. So, yeah. Well, there you great. go. It's good great. times. Good times. Don S writes in, Hey geeks, love Scream 6 for one reason only. Courtney, baby. Well, there we go. We got a Courtney Cox fan. There's definitely some Courtney Cox fans out there for life. Totally. Yeah. Uh, you know, between Scream and Friends, I think uh, I think she cemented her place in the 90s right there. Oh, yeah, for sure. For 100%. Yeah, totally. All right, well, let's get into it. Scream 6, it's in theaters, directed by... Matt Bettinelli open and Tyler Gillett written by James Vanderbilt, Guy Busick and Kevin Williamson produced by project X entertainment, radio science productions and spyglass entertainment distributed by paramount pictures here to read the synopsis tonight is our good friend, the old man. Hey, how's it going? Not bad, bud. You, um, I'm, I'm okay. I actually, I, you, it was good seeing you at the literary festival. I was there as well. Um, and, uh, I'm sorry that, uh, you had such a bad time making it back there. I actually had a great time at the festival. You know, there was one point I was in the hotel room and out in the pool, there was a bunch of like cheerleaders for this cheerleader competition. And they started doing like these moves, right? And they, they threw this girl up in the air. And so she was floating up in the air in front of my window, waving and in the background, you know, it's like the light, where the light was hitting. I couldn't tell where the sky began and the land ended and all that and seeing that. And then somewhere in the background, I heard heard a train roll by, you know, the old reliable train with the click, clack, click, clack. And it was it was a beautiful moment. Well, who knows? Maybe I just made it up. I don't know. But anyway, Scream 6, eh? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a scary one. All right. Well, in this installment, the survivors of the ghost face killings leave Woodsboro behind and start a fresh chapter in New York. That's going to work out for them. Totally. I think there's going to be no problems after that. All flowers. Because I know, I know, hey, there was that one time where uh, my friend Jason, he went to New York. Everything was fine there, right? Oh, yeah. It worked out beautifully. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, you have yourself a good time there, Green. Hope you feel better. And, uh, Maybe at the next literary festival, don't drink to eat her. I'll try not to. I'll try not there, to. There you go. It's good advice. There he goes. There he goes. Mr. Green, you got to see Scream 6. You were able to fit it in. Yeah. Uh, On in the between. flight back. Yeah, there you go. So what did you think of Scream 6? Um, It's interesting because as I, I sat here and I was watching it, uh, just thinking about this film now, is uh, uh, I had missed out on five, right? And uh, I remember when the first film came out, big fan of that one. Second film, mm, not so much. Third, eh. four, which gets a lot of hate, I actually really, really enjoy. Four, four is like, like for a while was my second favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then uh, I finally got around. I did. I honestly, I just, I didn't even know that five had even come out. To be honest, I just like totally. We were in it. lockdown when it happened. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. And then so I finally, uh, you know, you had actually recommended that I watch it. So I finally did watch it. And then, of course, going into this, um, it was kind of, uh, well, I'll say this. If you haven't seen Scream 5, then you it's going to be hard watching Scream 6. Yeah. I'll say that there are it is intrinsically linked to each other. Not like the other films aren't, but this one for sure. Um, 
but yeah, going into six, I was kind of curious to how things went, you know, and I and admittedly right off the top, two things came to mind. One, as you've, uh, as the old man already alluded to was the, uh, was the, uh, Jason takes Manhattan, uh, part of it. I was thinking about as I was watching it, cause I was like, yeah, this totally reminds me of that. So just like, even though it has, it's not even remotely similar on any level. Yeah. It's just it was just something that was, it was sticking in the back of my mind. Oh, New York plays a character, so that's why, you know. Yeah, no, for sure, and it does in this, and it makes per, you know, and actually, I like it because it is that change up from Woodsboro. Although three being in Hollywood, eh, you know, anyway, and two is technically in Ohio. That university is in Ohio, right? So when they sure. say, "Oh, this is the first time of Woodsboro," that's incorrect. Yeah, but. I, uh, so sitting there watching it, it was, uh, like one of the, <laughs> I will admit, even after watching, like watching five, I was kind of like, when this movie started, I was just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did he live? <laughs> Cause I thought he, you know what I'm talking about? And I, I was like, there's a character that makes it out of the last film into this film. And I was like, I was sure like a hundred percent positive that that character died. I was wrong. Uh, apparently well, I was you, drunk you when missed, I was watching it. Yeah. You missed one frame, like one little short moment at the end of scream five that would have shown that that person lived. Yeah. Like I remember, I remember seeing the gurney go by. I just didn't put two and two together that it was actually that character. So it was kind oh, of like, okay. a, it was like a weird thing. <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, okay. So I was the, like in the, the beginning of the film, I was just like, Oh, so it was that. Oh, all right. I, I, I don't know. I was drunk. That is very, very clear. Uh, but I will say this about uh, Scream uh, 6 is that I really liked how they right off the top subverted expectations with how the film opened. Mm. Um, and the scene that follows that, that, that initial, like, you know, stereotypical uh, Scream opening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, it's like just like five kind of subverted the uh, the opening with the uh, with the kind of with the fact that Jenna Ortega's character in five made it to this one. You know, this one yeah, yeah. had its own subversion. And I thought it was kind of cool that it was Samara weaving in that scene because, mm. you know, these it's the freaking ready or not guys who are making these movies. So it's nice to have her dropped in like that. But, yeah, that's kind of their main thing is they're trying to say, hey. A lot of the rules don't apply here. We got an email in from David E. who says, "Hey, Mister Green, did they see or serve peanuts on your flight?" Uh they they were uh, dry roasted. I, I which I'm not as big of a fan. I prefer my nuts salted or a little like uh, sweet. But yeah, we had we had nuts. I actually would have preferred pretzels. I've been on a real pretzel kick lately, so mm. you know. Like why planes need to serve pretzels more often. That's what I got to say. That's, that's, that's my big, that's my big rant for the night. Planes, more pretzels. Now those on the, the plain pretzels, are they plain or salted? Oh, the, bro, you're not eating plain, plain pretzels. Like just give up on life. If you're eating a plain pretzel. Okay. So they are salted plain pretzels. There you go. There you go. That's. That's interesting. You just oh, need, you, you need you to have your pretzels. That's what I'm saying. There you go. There you go. Definitely. I agree. I totally agree, man. Um, now, one of the things for me when I was watching this film was because I was in the whole thing. Again, I'm really enjoying mm-hmm. this new crop of characters. I like where things are going. Mm-hmm. Then when it got to the reveal and who the killers were, at first, I was like, oh, I don't. I don't know if I like that, but then the characters or the motivation, not necessarily the motivation. Cause that's the thing. First it was the characters, right. but then when I kind of thought about the motivation, I thought, yeah, well, this is the requel series. This is the second half of the franchise. This is in a way a tribute to the first half of the franchise mm-hmm. uh, with the reasoning, with the motivation. And I was like, Okay, okay, and I was back on board. But at first, I was like, oh, really? But then as the scene progressed, I was like, oh, no, okay, okay, I'm with that. I'm with you now. I don't know. Did you feel that way? Uh, I, I, not to the extent that you did. I, what, what, uh, I, the, one of the things that happened in the reveal for me was is that 
I I had picked the killers. Okay. Right right from the beginning uh, when they were introduced, like when they first were, I was like, because, you know, that's what you do when you watch Scream. You're trying to figure out who the killers are. And more often than not, when you're watching, if you do decide to pick the killers, nine times out of ten, you're right, because the whole point is that they're not like it's technically not supposed to be a murder mystery. It's supposed to be a meta take on murder mysteries as well yeah. as horror films, which is why the opening of this film really kind of surprised me and yeah, i was but, like and that would but that was even more meta than the meta which i no, thought was, was pretty cool yeah i know i was just like i but i i enjoyed that that led well into the rest of this film the the thing i was i did notice is that i will admit that i found that the performances in the in five which i'll call the first film of this new version of this universe uh, in this requel uh, situation, as I like to call it, which I, I'm not a big fan of that word. I'm just going to put that out there. I just <laughs> like, you know, anyways, um, I thought the performances in the first film, right, uh, part five, were mm. were better. I, f- I found a couple of the performances, like, and it's in from some of the return, returning characters to just kind of like, I don't know, it was like, I don't know if there was something like, if it was just the way it was edited, there's some parts that just felt a little clunkier. I get that. I, I agree with that. I'd say the only one of the, the core four, as they say, yeah. that I thought was good or slightly better in this one was Mason Gooding as Chad Meeks Martin. Because mm. um, mm-hmm. like in five, he has a very stereotypical archetype character that he's getting through. And this, he actually got to be a bit more three-dimensional. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely, I'll agree with you with Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega. Their characters, while they seem to have a lot more to do in this film, mm-hmm. it's less character and more like running. You know, it's like they really kind of leaned into the idea of like nonstop action compared to the last movie. Yeah, you know, and I think, but you know what, to going back to the whole New York as a character thing, I think that's a, a big that potentially is a big part of that. They're kind of like, yeah. like they mentioned in the the whole part about the rules for the requel is that, you know, like bringing up the stakes and, you know, bigger budgets and all those things. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, like we've seen, well, like as we've talked and, and people, you know, also talk about is with uh, the Marvel movies is that sometimes bigger is not always better, you know? Yeah, yeah no, no, it, totally. You, lo- you get lost, you, you get lost in all the moving pieces. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought, I think still overall, um, that I, like I, and I found to your, going back to your point about the, the, uh, the reveal of the killers is I, th- I thought that didn't play out as well as it could have. Right. That's my one complaint there. I, I didn't have a problem with the motivations and everything. I, it was the, it was the reveal and, and, and the acting and the reveal that I was a little like, meh. It was found a little subpar, which is d- disappointing. But I, I'm kind of curious to see if they make a, a part seven. You know? um, I, they've already been, I've, from what I hear, they've already been cleared to make a part seven, that it's happening. Um, yeah, but it's just, the, with, even with that knowledge, it's like, where do you take this particular you know, story? You know, after yeah. after these two films, right? Like, where well, where no, do you take you. it next, right? Well, we'll see, man. We'll see. So are you saying people should check it out in theaters, wait till rental or streaming, or... Skip it all together. I would say unless you're a diehard Scream aficionado, I would say just wait. Uh, just wait for streaming uh, or rental. Uh, I don't know if it's a rush out to the theater kind of movie right now um, with some other options that are out there, like Cocaine Bear. Like, I'm sorry. It's just right now it's leading the pack for the best movie this goddamn year. Um, and uh, and the more I, I get away from it, the more I it's concretely moved itself into my top five and right now is in my number one spot. And I don't think I'm going to step away from that for a while. Oh, um, there you go. But I, 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 like I said, I think if you're a horror fan, a Scream fan, you should check it out. Uh, you know, otherwise, just wait till wait till you see it at home. It's fine. I think that's a fair assessment. If you're a fan of the Scream movies and you want to check it out, it's it's not the it's not the best scream film, but it's definitely not the worst. So you can check it out in theaters. Anybody else who's just curious can probably wait for rental or stream. We're going to take a quick commercial break right now, and when we come back, we'll be talking to Taylor Love about the new CTV original series shelved right here. Geek Card Reality Radio One Hundred One.
Want to advertise on Geekard and be heard by thousands of listeners? It's easy. It's simple. It's fun. Email us at geekardshow at gmail.com for information on our advertising packages today. Welcome back to Geekard right here on Reality Radio 101. And now back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Card. Andrew Young here. Mr. Green going through a lot of pain after that flight. So uh, I think he's going to tap out for now. Uh, but hey, we still got a great show coming your way with our final guest this evening. She is an actor who can be seen on the new series Shelved which uh, is on CTV on Monday nights at 9.30 p.m. Please welcome to the program Taylor Love coming on right now. Hello, hello. Hello, Taylor. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, of course, the first episode of Shelved aired this week on CTV. It sure did. And sure uh, did. <laughs> yeah, we got to see a little bit of Sheila as she popped in a little bit, um, tiny bit, tiny bit. And it seems like at the end there that there may be something with Howard happening at some point. I will say based on the first episode, I think <laughs> Sheila could do a lot better than Howard. So <laughs> <laughs> I love Chris Sandiford. Let me put that out there. But oh, Chris is great. But Howard <laughs> really is emotionally unavailable. Chris is amazing. <laughs> Howard, Howard is a lot of things when we meet him and I see what you're saying in like this, yeah. this aspect of like the first episode. Yeah. Um, but it's funny that you say that because so much more of Sheila's storyline, especially in the next episode and the third episode, especially right. gets revealed and then things get a little more interesting. So keep, keep that thought, but it's going to go further. <laughs> All right. Keep watching. Definitely. So of course people haven't had a chance to check out the first episode let our listeners know what Shelved is all about. So Shelved is a CTV original uh, comedy. It's a single camera workplace sitcom. So think The Office, Superstore, Parks and Rec, The Greats. Um, and yeah, it's focused on the Jameson branch of the Metro Public Library. And we are a severely underfunded branch. We are very ignored. We're low on the totem pole. But one of the things that you kind of see right off the bat is the community within our little branch and you know publicly funded spaces are really important and I'm hoping we kind of do our best to anybody who's ever worked in a library to see like ah yes I've gone through that um and yeah it's showcasing the employees and the patrons um so throughout the show there's regulars that you'll see that are in the library and those of us that work there all have different um jobs so Sheila specifically works at the settlement desk so again it's a publicly funded space and I am welcoming immigrants and people who need resources and information I'm kind of that first step for them to use a public space and our computers and gain all the information they need now being new to the country. But it really is a show about community. Um, and it is a comedy, so it is quite funny. Um, right, right. Yeah, and we kind of see what goes on day to day and how how things escalate from the first episode. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, of course, we get, to, we get introduced to that entire community in that episode, a nice little microcosm of what's mm -hmm. going on with them. Uh, of course, the show exactly. is... The show is run by Anthony Q. Farrell, um, great comic writer, of course. I, it's funny. It's funny. Like years ago, I went to college at the same time. At the same time, he did. He was in post grad. I was in undergrad at the Humber School of Comedy. Oh wow! And so we did a couple yeah. of stand up shows together back in like okay. two thousand something like that, two thousand one. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. And then he, of course, was... he went on. He went, he went on to write for the office and stuff like that. And uh, now I see. He's yeah. Been, Developing a lot of shows here in Canada now. What was it like mm -hmm. working with Anthony? He's such a character on his own. And it's it's so crazy because I'm a huge fan of The Office. So not only have I cycled through it like 10 plus times, but it's the show that's on in the background all the time. And mm -hmm. 
I just, even when I heard his name, when I got the audition, like it wasn't even entitled, it was just untitled Anthony Q. Farrell project. And I was like, Anthony Q. Farrell, I'm like, I've seen that name before. So I do my IMDb's and I was like, he was a story editor on season five of The Office. Panicked. And then, <laughs> yeah, he's home, he's, he's homegrown from Toronto and he knows what he's doing in the comedy world. And I'm so honored to have been a part of something that he created and especially my character who's based very much on people in his family um, and getting to know him has just been the ultimate blessing. And he's naturally hilarious. And I don't know. Did you see the first episode already? You say you watched yeah, it. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. If I heard his it, voice in it. I definitely heard his voice. Shouting from the back. Like <laughs> yeah. he, even in the table reads, he's like talking out the side of his mouth. Hey, yo dog at the library. And I'm like, this guy, like he's just naturally so funny. Yeah. And so working under him, like, it's just to even audition for something of this caliber in the world of workplace sitcoms that I come from as a consumer, as a viewer, honored to be cast, to meet, to learn from, to work surreal. Um, he's the greatest. Love him. And I, I heard you found out you were casted by uh, Anthony sending you a, an Instagram request, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's not as informal as it sounds, but I auditioned and I didn't, I, I just threw it into the void and I was like, I get it, I get it, kind of got to be, especially when you see a breakdown that you like, and then you read more and you're like, oh, I love this, you can't, you can't get too attached, yeah. got to get it done and throw it away. And I didn't hear anything. And I was like, well, okay, like, I don't know if they're doing callbacks for this, because then you at least get something. And then he requested to follow me on Instagram, because my Instagram was private at the time. And I was like, this could, I told my agent, I'm like, this is a good sign, right? And looking back, I love how this went down, but it was a Saturday. So anything that had been decided the day before wasn't going to reach me until the Monday, right? The table read was Tuesday. So I don't blame him for being like, Hey, nice to meet you. Not sure if you know, but we're going to offer you the role. Are you free for this table read? And I was like, I think I like, I paused. My partner's like, are you okay? And I was like, no. And I was like, I'm being pranked. This is a joke. Like, Went to his profile. I'm like, is this the guy? And yeah, that's how I found out. And so I, I emailed my agent. Basically, things were in motion, but because it was the weekend, it was slightly paused. So mm. I love that that happened to me because I just, it's the fondest thing to look back. And I can literally go to the message and I'm like, <laughs> um, and I made it to the table read. It was great. So that was a unique experience for me. And in the most professional sense, like, and he's like, Hey, not sure. Just put saying hi. And I was like, I'm on the floor, but yeah, I'm available. Like I'll be there. <laughs> anyway, it was fantastic. Wouldn't have yeah. had it any other way. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And of course you're getting to work yeah. with a lot of great comic actors. And I know there's uh, the environment was open to improvisation uh, when putting mm -hmm. some of the scenes together and stuff like that. So I'm guessing Very it. Much. It was hard to keep a straight face during takes. Yes. So I shoot a lot of my scenes with Chris Sandiford, who's, if you ever meet Chris, he's very much like Howard. Like he's, he's very, he speaks the same way and he's very like quick, fast talking. And so he alone is just hilarious. And majority of my scenes are with him and Howard like shouts in Latin and does all these things. And there were so many times where I'm really happy it was one camera because he's behind me and I'm like, trying to hold it together while he goes through this scene and then if i ever had a scene with paul bronstein who plays our beloved bryce paul's existence makes me laugh so i was like these first two weeks i gotta get it together because sheila's she's not unfunny but she is the straight woman a little bit right and she's so more it's, a grounded it's, character right more realistic correct she's got a yeah. she's got a lot going on outside the library and she's she's ducking in and out but it was a test at first. And then I got used to it. I was like, okay, like we're good. But the first two weeks was just a riot for me, at least internally. <laughs> um, and I, I did get the chance to improv a little bit, which I was happy about because again, I'm, I'm a bit more of the straight woman, but there were some scenes that were so fun to improvise on and it worked so well. So I can't wait to see what that looks like on the actual episode. That's awesome. That's great. Now, of course you yeah. are an actor <laughs> who's, you know, you started at a very young age, uh, very much a lover of, yeah film and television. Um, I recently found out that one of mm -hmm. your favorite films is Zack Snyder's Justice League. And so I have to ask you. Specifically Zack Snyder's Justice yes. League. Yeah, that one. I have to ask <laughs> yep, you, yep. did you watch that Talk in one, it. did you watch it in one sitting? Because that, that was a film I needed to take breaks from. It was long. So, so I'm, I am well versed and trained on the extended version of the Lord of the Rings for the last 20 years. I see. This was a piece of cake. <laughs> yeah. 
Easy. Not only did I watch it once, I watched it twice in like one week because I watched it and I was like, bring everybody over. Let's anybody who's a DC fan, like in my circle, I'm like, I got it. Let's watch it. So it did not feel as long as it did. Um, and yeah, I've been ready for that since 2003, the Return of the King extended version. Yeah. <laughs> Walk. Yeah, yeah. Easy. You put you put in the time, <laughs> definitely. Oh my god, no, that's. I waited for that movie, and I was like, "Listen, we are owed some type of." I'm there, and I'm locked in. And I think I, I think I watched the black and white version too, because there is like oh, that really like that Zach monochrome look, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like square. I forget the ratio size, but yeah, it's it was raw and it was great, and I was just very emotional. But <laughs> <laughs> I was geeking out to the point where I'm like, I have nothing left. I'm spent. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so you're a big pop culture yeah. fan. Is there any franchises out there that you'd love a chance to be a part of? Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, in some way, in some world, the Game of Thrones universe, I love what House of the Dragon's doing with representation. Mm. So it's not so obscure that we have people of color in very predominant lead roles. Um, so yeah, if I if I could be some type of descendant of the Valarians, that could make sense. Um, I'm a huge fan of The Last of Us, and season one has done incredibly well. I've been a fan since the video games long before, and season two has been greenlit and it shot in in Calgary, and that would be amazing. Anything, I'll take anything. Like I will take any <laughs> role. I don't care if I can go for the big ones. Great. If I don't get them. I'll be an NPC in the background. I don't mind. Um, that's that's very much at the forefront of my mind, 100%. I'll just stand there and, like, shovel and not move. Whatever. Mm. I'll take it. Well, of course, you know, you're also, I know you're also a, a voice actor as well. Have you done any yes. video game work? Uh, not officially. Um, I've auditioned for quite a few, and thankfully my condo walls have concrete because I, if I'm in battle – I'm so self-conscious where I'm like, I hope my neighbor doesn't think I'm like, something's wrong. Um, so I've auditioned a few times and I had the great luxury and honor right before the pandemic hit to participate in MoCap U, which is a training school here in Toronto. It's like a weekend intensive. It's like three full days. And I was able to play in the MoCap studio. We did one day in the booth where we were actually working with the Last of Us material. Oh, and man. basically, if you're an actor and you do MoCap, even in a real video game, you don't get access to any of your mocap. You see the finished product and that's it. I walked away with a mocap demo reel, oh, wow. which was incredible. And like learning how to do like barks and onos, which is like the, uh, like all those sounds yeah, of yeah. getting hit or shot or blown up. Um, and that was right before the pandemic hit. So I'm really happy that I did it when I did. Um, that's as close as I've come. I've auditioned for a few things for Ubisoft here. Um, I can say that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say what it was. I've signed it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, fortunately, Ubisoft is right here in Toronto. So if anything goes on, that's where I've had the luxury to audition. It's a big project. Like it's, it's big. So I don't take it personal if I, if I don't book that role because right, it's a huge feat and there's, it's a lot more technical than film and television. It's not so quick. Yeah. Um, so I haven't officially done them, but I've, I've played around for sure, but I do voice an animated character on a TV show right now, which right. is pretty, pretty exciting. Yeah, that is awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> no, it sounds like it sounds like a lot of great stuff is happening for you. Uh, seems like a really good point in your so career. Far, yeah, I look I'm forward happy. to more stuff coming your way because, again, I, I've enjoyed what I've seen so far. Definitely. Thank you so much. Me too. Uh, it's crazy it's, speaking with people like this. I'm like, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. Yeah. So, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> well, you're welcome. I hope you have yourself a great night and a great weekend. Thank you. You as well. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. Oh, man. Uh, okay. Have yourself a good night. Welcome to the end of the show. I don't know if Mr. Green is alive or dead, um, but uh, God bless him. He's, he's, he's a trooper. After that 12-hour flight, he still made it on for part of the show, was able to do the review. But now we have come to the end of the show, so I guess I should tell you where you can find us. And... The best way to find us, of course, is geekartshow.com for our news reviews, podcast version of the show, which, of course, drops every Monday after 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, easiest way to find us is to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice and uh, leave a five-star rating review while you're there. Uh, of course, you can find us on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, 
uh, YouTube at, uh, at Geek Art Show. Just search it out. And definitely check out our YouTube, youtube.com slash Geek Art Show for our new show, Hard Takes with Jay Torres. Definitely give it a watch. You'll have fun with it. Uh, but, of course, if you want to email us, you can email us at geekartshow at gmail.com. I want to thank both Taylor Love and Michael Marin for coming on the show. For Michael Marin, for Little White Lie, for Scream 6, for Taylor Love, for Shelved, for Mr. Green, wherever he is. I hope he's doing okay. For Yuri of the Booth, this is Andrew Young saying, if you're going to geek out, you might as well geek hard. On Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Geek Card with your hosts Andrew Young and Mr. Green right here on Reality Radio 101.